Welcome to episode five of the Soldiers of the Immaculate podcast. This episode is being recorded on Saturday, January 27th, 2024. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most compassionate Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O Virgin, O Virgins, O Mother. To thee we come, before thee we stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer them. Lady of good success. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. St. Francis and St. Pio. Pray for us. St. Alfonso Gloria and St. John Christendom. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So for the last four episodes, we've been talking about the morning offering, talking about consecrating yourself to the Most Holy Trinity and also to Our Lady. I think you said you had some notes you wanted to wrap up with on uh, talking about consecrating to Our Lady in the morning. Yes, uh, you know, in the morning, of course, when we do our offering to Our Lady, eventually I want to be getting into deeper and deeper uh, from the book, uh, True Devotion, about Our Lady, what's true devotion, what's false devotion. And this is really important. Uh, And so I also, right now too, it's really important that everyone should be enrolled in the brown scapula and should wear it because the promises that go with that scapula are, are amazing. You know, our lady promises and the promise is anyone that dies with the brown scapula will not perish. And so many times you hear priests adding to uh, what you said, and they shouldn't do that. Now they do want, and I agree that you don't want to wear this as a good luck charm. You don't want to be, mocking our lady by saying, well, I'm going to wear this scapular and, and I'm going to go live a wicked life, you know, and, you know, God will not be mocked. And, you know, uh, there's a couple of stories I remember with the brown scapula, so powerful, a priest that was helping, there was like six or seven men that were received the death penalty and the priest went to him and they all, he got them all to take the scapula, brown scapula, but one, and the one man, he just didn't want it. But eventually the priest kept on him and he took it. And so the day came, uh, but he really didn't want it. And so the day came for the firing squad and they all had their scapular on. And when the, the bullets went off, they all dropped and they all had their scapular on except for one. And guess who it was? It was the man who really didn't want it on and somehow was off, off of his, uh, his neck and so you know god will not be mocked and uh, another story is a man that tried to commit he wanted to commit suicide he tried to drown himself and he's out in the ocean and he goes down and he he just can't he won't drown he once twice finally he realized he has a scapular on they said and he took it off then and the third time he was successful so it's a very powerful weapon. It's a sacramental, brings a lot of grace. It's a sign of our love for Our Lady that we belong to her and all the great saints. When St. Alphonse's body was uh, exhumed, they found his scapula was incorrupt. Uh, It never rotted. And it's a powerful, powerful sacramental, and I highly recommend it. And believe me, uh, Satan hates it with a passion because it represents a piece of cloth from Our Lady's 
from our lady and uh you have to wear it over your shoulders that's what it means the scapula over the shoulder and you're supposed to wear a cloth one those that are allergic can wear the metal you get a dispensation for that and so that's the promise if you just die with it on you will not perish the second now, if you're enrolled in the brown scapula, it used to happen all the time. Once you made your first communion, you would be enrolled. If you're not enrolled, get enrolled. And if you're enrolled and you wear the brown scapula, if you are faithful to your vocation as far as chastity goes, and and uh, you pray the office of Our Lady and a priest could commune to a rosary day, and if you live that way, a lady promises that the day after the Saturday after you die, she will deliver you from purgatory. That's a great promise. And we want to live that way anyway. So I highly recommend wearing that, the scapular, make sure that's on in the morning, make sure you sleep with it on. I, I mean, I even have one in uh, by the shower. When I go in the shower, I take the good one off and put these, you know, these cheap ones on. So if something happens in the shower. I want to make sure no matter what that I have that. And you talk to anybody that wears a scapula that's a pious soul. If you don't have it on, you, you almost feel, you really feel like you realize something's missing. And it's it's a great uh, protection. It shows our love and our dedication to Our Lady. So in the morning, you make sure that's on. And also, I recommend wearing the Miraculous Medal, too. And they don't call it Miraculous for no reason. And the Miraculous Medal is so, so powerful brings about so so many conversions and uh just i'll give you one story for instance uh i was in my order there was a benefactor and his father was a, a protestant i think he was a lutheran he was up in late 80s and 90s and he wouldn't convert to the church and a bunch of priests tried to convert him he wouldn't budge so the man requested my superior that uh I wasn't a preacher. Can Brother Isaac come over and talk to my father? So they told me to go, and I went, and I said, what am I going to tell this man? Uh, so I love all the people. They're filled with wisdom. And I just met him where he was at, and I, he told me about his life. We talked for a good hour, and a uh, really nice man. And at the end, I just said uh, to him, Mr. So-and-so, uh, I'd, I'd like to offer, give you something if you would like it. And because I wore have the miraculous medal, we wore it on our habit. I said, I'd like to give you a medal like mine here. And I showed him the medal and I explained it to him. And then I said, would you accept it? And he's, oh, yes, thank you. And I gave him the prayer, St. Maximilian, oh, Mary conceived without sin. Pray for us, have recourse to you, especially for all the enemies of the church, especially the Masons. I gave him that prayer. And, uh, and a month month later, he came into the church. <laughs> so I'm telling you, it is a powerful weapon. That's that's what happened to. Uh, I just had the priest's name on uh, on the tip of my lips. He was uh, he was a Jew, and he hated Catholicism. Oh, Alphonse Radisbon, his name is, and he he hated the Roman Catholic Church. He said, uh, and he wanted he was going to get married to a, like a third cousin or something and he wanted to do one more trip around europe but he promised he would never go into rome and when his carriage broke down he was outside of rome and so he ended up staying at some baron's house who was a friend of his brother and they were totally catholic these people and uh 
So the children challenged him, say, well, you don't believe in God. Well, wear this. Would you, would you wear this medal? And he said, yeah, I'll wear it. And he said that prayer every day. And uh, one day the Baron had to go to church to make uh, arrangements for a requiem mass for someone who died. And he was curious and he went into the church and he was sitting in the pew and he was physically like transported up, up to the front altar uh, of Our Lady. And Our Lady appeared to him and he wouldn't even lift up his head and she spread out her hands and he, he just knew the whole faith was infused into him. It was a tremendous gift. And he understood that the Catholic Church was a true church and the true religion. And when, when the the baron came out with the the priest he ran over he's i want to be catholic i want and he goes how can you be a catholic you don't know he goes ask me any question and he was a jesuit i think and he started asking the question he knew all he knew the whole faith it was unbelievable so he came into the church and he became a, a catholic priest he ended up in the holy land and did great works he built all the roads in the holy land and so wear that miraculous medal and the one other thing i put it all on the scapula too is i would always recommend wearing a benedict saint benedict medal it's one of the most powerful weapons against satan and you have to get that there's a special blessing for the miraculous medal a special blessing for the scapula and a, a special blessing of exorcism all on the saint benedict medal so if you bring these medals to a priest and they just make the sign across that's not that's not a blessing you want them to take the ritual out, and I recommend the old ritual, of course, uh, and do these blessings, and you should have holy water and bless it. So, so now the next thing we'll go on with the holy, uh, the morning offering, which I want is the guardian, your guardian angel, and God loves us so much that He gives the church teaches that we, once you reach the age of reason, we all receive the necessary graces to save our souls. This is a, you know, some people get discouraged. No, but the, all the graces necessary are granted to us, but we have to cooperate with it. But one of the greatest graces that God gives us is when you're conceived in your mother's womb, he assigns a guardian angel. And there's been some, there's no definitive teaching. Some people say it's once you're born. Some some believe in the, in the womb. I, I believe most likely in the womb because... It's amazing. I've met so many people that have wounds from uh, that go back to being in their mother's womb, and I could tell stories about that. Wounds of rejection, abandonment. So I, I believe God wants to protect us from the moment we come into this world, and so He signs an, an angelic being, a, a guardian angel. That's your guardian angel. That guardian angel never 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 leaves your side and it's such an awesome gift and that guardian angel is there to guard us to protect us to inspire good thoughts to help us in our everything throughout our whole life and so it's a shame because many people don't know to have an angel and then people that do know to have an angel don't even pay him no regard if they if they even say one prayer a day to their angel that's a lot but you should really develop a relationship with your angel and talk to him frequently. And it, the angel, we call him, uh, he, you know, it's not a female, it's a, it's a male, we, you know, masculine. And so this is so important uh, that we develop this. So we pray to our angel in the morning 
to, to protect us, to guide us, to help us live a virtuous life. In the spiritual life, if you want to go anywhere, you have to identify your prominent vice. And if you don't know what it is, I always tell people, just check with the people you live with. So there's seven prominent vice, pride, avarice, lust, sloth, gluttony, envy, and anger. And you want to find out which one that is, and it's not hard to find. And then when you work on that, when you work on that particular vice to overcome, you grow in the opposite virtue. When you grow in one virtue, you grow in them all. So if, say, it's uh, pride, you want to pray, start praying for humility, and you want to do remedies throughout the day to overcome that. But pray to your angels. Say, Holy Guardian Angel, help me to overcome my pride. Help me to overcome my anger, whatever it is. And he will help you tremendously. And, uh, you know, but your guardian angel, I always tell people, when you die and you go to the particular judgment, that means when, you're, when your soul separates from your body, Jesus Christ is going to come and judge you right there. And it's a judgment. There's so many heresies going on uh, in the church that are alive. It's unbelievable. People say, oh, when you die, you, you get to make the ultimate choice. Do you want to go to heaven or you want to? No, 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 no. It's a judgment. Yes, in one sense, you pick your destiny by the way you live your life. If you want to live a life of sin and be wicked, you're choosing to go to hell, basically. But there will be a judge, and there will be a judgment. And the judge is Jesus Christ. And he will judge it. Uh, throughout our life, our Lord is so merciful to us. And when he came into the world, he came as a meek lamb, a little baby. And he turned the other cheek. But when that judgment comes, he's a, a judge and a strict judge that nothing, nothing will escape him. You can't lie to the judge. You can't, you can't deceive him. He can't, it's just going to be a strict judgment. Your angel will be there. Too, to give an account of your life and your angel like i said never leaves your side he's there 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year from the minute you're born to the minute you die and our lord's going to show you all the graces that he granted you throughout your life that the ones you accepted the ones you didn't and i think it's going to be amazing because we're going to find out how many times our guardian angel helped us throughout our life how many times your angel may have protected you. You hear so many beautiful stories how some people, they were in bad car accidents or were in trouble, and this a man out of nowhere comes and helps them, and they turn around after he helps them, and they're gone. These are, it's, you know, these are angels. And so we're going to see how many times our angel protected us. Otherwise, we would have died. Maybe we would have died in mortal sin and went to hell. We see how the, our angel fights the evil angels. He's there to protect us. And he does. And how many times in your life, like you do something and you're almost surprised at yourself that, you know, say you don't like someone, you did something nice for them or get you get a good thought to, to overcome your pride and to do something, an act of charity for someone. A lot of times that's your angel putting those thoughts in your head, these good, holy thoughts. And so pray to your angel when you wake up after the Holy Trinity, after a lady, pray to your guardian angel acknowledge him acknowledge his presence but there's another thing that goes on today that so many people treat their angel like he's a slave and he's not a slave i mean matter of fact we have to have such a high reverence for our holy guardian angel why because he beholds the beatific vision at all times 
the angel sees God as he truly is in heaven. And so just the fact that should bring us consolation that this protector we have, this angel we have, is seeing God. He has the beatific vision. He passed the test, the test that Lucifer and the other bad and the other bad angels failed. And he has great glory in heaven, our angels. So he always has a beatific vision. And that's why another thing I want to uh, warn about the angels is we're not allowed to give our guardian angel a name. And that was going on for a long time, especially in the so-called charismatic renewal. And I'll be very clear with you, that's not Catholic. It's from hell. And it's it's just, it's like Catholicism mixed with Protestantism. And so, so many people in the in the charismatic renewal name their angel and they shouldn't be doing that. And, and a lot of them don't know that, but I've told people that and now they can't say they know and they don't want to stop. And so what they, there was a, a nun in the uh, charismatic renewal years ago. She used to tell people, if you want the name of your angels, uh, say so many glory bees and, and the name will come to you. And that's what you call your angel. Well, the church says we're not allowed to do that. And, uh, the main one of the main reasons is once again we should not have that such a familiarity with our angel that we could and that we're naming god gives the angel his name and what happens if that's not the angel's name what happens if the name that you think your angel is is a demon a fallen angel i was going to say if you ask using these these questionable formulas for the name of your angel it doesn't mean your guardian angel is going to be the one asking. It may be a different spirit entirely. A, a bad spirit. And that's, and this is the thing. So, and what an insult, like, uh, Max, if you're, you know, your name's Max. How do you like if I call you Tom, Dick or whatever, and, and I keep on calling you that it's, it's annoying. That's not your name. And so we want a high respect for that angel. And so we don't want to call on the angel. The church says we cannot do that. And I think it was 1985, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, when he was the uh, head of the Holy Office, came out with a document that we're not allowed to consecrate ourselves to angels and we're not allowed to give them names. And so just remember that and call on him frequently and he's going to be there. When you're in a jam or you're struggling with uh, practicing a particular virtue, just say, please help me. Help me overcome my prominent vice. Help me. If you know you're going to be meeting with somebody this i tell people this all the time and they can't believe the difference i said when you're going to have a meeting with someone whether it's your boss or anyone or somebody that you have difficulty with always said or say you got to go to court you got to go before the judge whatever it is always send your angel to whoever you're meeting or always whether you're friends or not and you're going to see say go to Go to so-and-so's angel, go to the judge, the lawyers, or go, you go into the hospital, go to the doctors, the nurses, guardian angel, and so that what God's will will ultimately be done in this meeting. And let me tell you something. It is unbelievable what happens uh, when you do that. It, it, you're going to see things go so much smoother. And the more you, you pray to your angel, the more you seek him to help you get to heaven, uh, you're going to see more and more miracles in your life. And, you know, not that we're searching for, looking for signs and wonders, but it's a fact. And so there's a great book out there. Uh, I got to look it up for Max, but uh, we can find, uh, there's a book about St. Pio and, uh, and Guardian Angels. It's phenomenal. It tells stories about St. Pio. He always had many 
many encounters with angels, guardian angels, and it's good. Remember, your angel too is their preternatural gifts. They're way be, uh, in the angelic nature is way above human nature, and they don't have bodies. And so these angels, uh, they have infused knowledge. They just know things, and uh, it, they they're big help. Uh, we're just gonna say one more thing about the angels, but uh, oh yeah, so like Max was saying, how do you know if you call and you know doing these things because you want your angel's name? Who, what you know, is it a good angel, bad angel? And there's an, a book too, that another one. It's the biography of Blessed Bartholomew uh, Longo, and this. What a biography. It blew me away. I, I, I read it in one shot when I picked it up the first time. I was in Italy, and I was at uh, I went to a Lady of Pompeii, and he was the, a layman that built a Lady of Pompeii in honor of Our Lady. And what this man, when he was in college, his angel started coming to him. He thought it was a good angel, but guess what? It was Lucifer, uh, a bad angel. I don't know if it was Lucifer. I forgot, but he ended up becoming... A, a high satanic priest, a high satanic priest. He was deceived. That's why St. Paul tells us we must, you know, discern all spirits, all spirits. And so thank God Our Lady delivered him and he dedicated his whole life. He never married, never became a priest. And because of him, it brought many, many people. But I really recommend reading his life. It's very edifying. And that's why... We may you may have loved ones that are in the occult people. He's a, he's a blessed that you want to pray for to deliver these people. To, you know, uh, for these souls that are lost and went from a satanic high priest to being a saint, basically. Isn't it a pretty safe piece of advice that if you're getting any kind of vision whatsoever that purports to be from heaven or any place else, to not pay attention to it whatsoever, because that's for one thing, it's an extraordinary revelation, even if it's true and, and extraordinary revelations are not necessary for salvation. But secondly, if it really is from heaven and heaven really wants to use you for sending a message, it'll be made clearer soon enough. Um, there have been cases of, of, of nuns who were literally walled in and were having uh, visions that were legitimate, but they kept saying, no, you're, you're not legitimate. And, and literally having the wall knocked down. It's like, no, you really have a mission and we're really from, this is really from heaven. Yeah, that's hundred uh, percent. That's what like the great uh, Doctor Church of for uh, spirituality, Saint Teresa of Avila. She all Saint John of course, They all advise that all the saints that you always reject it, and if it's God, you will know it, and He'll make it clear. Uh, the saint you're talking about was Saint Colette. I talked about her once before. She was around the the great schism with Saint Vincent Ferrer and uh, Saint Catherine of Siena at the same time, but. She was bricked up in the wall, uh, bricked up as a hermitess, and God kept coming to her, telling her he wanted her to go reform the Paul Claire order, and she she rejected it. This no, this is Satan. I reject her. And then God struck the blind and everything, and then He gave her a sight back and knocked the wall down. He He showed it, you know, He proved it to her that it was it was hard. And there's there's many examples in the saints' life where God tells them, gives them visions of like St. Catherine Labore say, have this metal made and saints like that, that, uh, and they go to the spiritual director and the director won't, uh, tells them, no, you're going to do this, that, and they do it. And God's, uh, 
praised him for that. So you did the right thing. You listened to your director. But don't worry, I'll change his his heart when the time comes if I want. And the authentic ones, eventually he would change the spiritual director's heart. But that's the safest way. You don't want to be deceived. Just like there's so many apparitions out there that, and I recommend do not, do not. They be careful with apparitions that are not approved by Holy Mother Church. You'll never get hurt, and you know, by sticking with Fatima, Lords, a Lady of La Soleil, Lady of Akita, you'll never go straight. Never. And the greatest apparition is Fatima, and we could study that for another hundred years, and you'll never exhaust it. So I agree with that statement. So basically, basically just be humble to um, what the church always teaches. And uh, honestly, if, if somebody makes an apparition to you, um, one of the, one of the rules of thumb I always heard was check to see if, if, if it's a, if it's a vision of our lady, check to see if she has normal feet or cloven feet. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, one of the, one of the items you mentioned earlier about, uh, guardian angels, it kind of made me chuckle. Not that I ever tried to find out the name of my guardian angel, but I did have a nickname. It was more of a proxy for a while and it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be MPS or something like that. It was more like I was trying to foster de- devotion to my, to my guardian angel. And I just came up with a proxy name. Um, I didn't realize it was the teaching of the church that you're supposed to think of the, the angel as being masculine. Um, but now I know that. So, and, uh, this, uh, Opus Angelorum, that's the, the work of the angels is a religious, uh, order. And you could get, they have a beautiful litanies to the guardian angels, litanies to the angel. I recommend that highly. If you, uh, if you do that, you'll, you'll see a big difference in your spiritual life really recommend it and of course we should study up on these uh things on these uh, on the angels we have to go beyond the baltimore catechism they are a massive help uh if only we will call on them and of course on the topic of massive help at the end of life uh when some people need help unfortunately they end up in hospice and that's not always the best situation yeah i want to speak about it because uh i've been preaching about this for years because you know, I help a lot of people, and I just had to help some good people. Uh, and the, the woman's father was was dying, and they family insisted on putting him on hospice, and I gave big warnings because I've seen hospice, I'm not going to say everyone, but most of them uh, I call murder incorporated. And uh it's it's a disgraceful when I say disgraceful of uh, what they do hospice because the church Catholic Church teaches when we come to the end of our life we are not allowed to be denied water or food and hospice will not will not will not hydrate or so you know and that's a, that that I'm talking about sometimes at the end you need an IV with saline solution it's because starving to death is one thing and and you're not you're supposed to have food too if they can but the water if you go without water it's it's so painful because your body literally like feels like it's on fire and you know so we don't we don't you got to be very careful so there are some hospice and so if you know you have an uh a loved one that's sick it's getting towards the end don't wait to the end start looking for hospice that will hook them up from the beginning with an iv because and i'm i'm gonna i'm doing more studies on this and backing it up so i don't want to just but 
a lot of people in hospice, they don't end up dying from the disease. They end up dying from dehydration. It's horrible. It's horrible. And uh, they're, they're, they're snakes and they're just evil. They have a protocol that they know does not fail. And that protocol is even if they're not dying, they're going to make sure that person dies. And so they, they start, they always want to push morphine. Now, the church teaches if you're in pain really bad, you can have some drugs like that to take the the edge off. But but you got to make sure that it's not uh, to the point where you're you're not cognizant, where you can't make acts of faith, hope, and charity. So when they get them so drugged up, they don't even know they're just sitting there with their mouth open. And I've seen this. I've seen. I've been at deathbed where I commanded the the loved ones to bring him him or her to a Catholic hospital and get him hydrated. And they'll lie to you. They tell you because they're all trained. These 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 snakes. Well. We can't hydrate Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so because uh, he'll drown if we do that. And and then we can't hydrate because we, we can't get a vein. Uh, and I said, well, first of all, most of the time they're not nurses. They send a nurse once a week. But uh, we have over 100 miles of veins in our body, 100 miles. And they have – when you go to hospital, and they, if you can't get a vein, I just had my nephew had a hospital, uh, an operation just uh, yesterday, and they couldn't. They took him like 40 minutes to, to get a vein. They couldn't get it. And the anesthesiologist came in and he got it the second shot. So first, that's the first, oh, well, we can't find a vein. The second uh, lie is that he'll drown or she'll drown. No, they're so dehydrated most of the time already that it's only a drop at a time. Now, there comes a time where, you know, the patient may, the kidneys may shut down. And if that happens, so be it. You, you pull the IV off because you don't want them to drown then. And, uh, but this is what's going on. And it is. And so they'll usually give the person morphine uh, a half hour before they're supposed to eat. You know why? Because if you take morphine before you're supposed to eat, you're not going to eat. You're not going to eat. And so, like, it's, it's, it's all just like what happened uh, at COVID, you know. Uh, they had a protocol for death in the hospitals. You know, you come in, put your arm in air, you uh, get, uh, get them, put you on the ventilator, your lungs are damaged already, now they're going to blow your lungs out. And they know all these things, your kidneys shut down, your organ, it's, it, it, you're going to die. Meanwhile, if they, if they would have just gave you ivermectin, you would have been all right, probably. But this is what I'm saying. So be careful, my friends out there. If you have loved ones, at the find a hospice that will come and 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 you know help you know so they can die with dignity and and peace. And if you need help, you call a good priest. If you if you have questions, and most people do, and and understandably. But, you know, priests are supposed to study medical ethics and they're supposed to know some of these things. And if they don't have the answer, they could get it. But you want to. And this is important, too, to have a proper proxy. Don't be doing these living wills. These living wills are no good uh, because so many living wills lock you, lock you or uh, the person in to uh, say do not resuscitate or do not do this. And meanwhile, Every circumstance is different. You say you have a car accident and you may need a help to be, you know, on a ventilator for just to get you by a day and you'll be fine. I mean, you don't want to. So what you want to do is get a proxy, a, hopefully a loved one, a family member, if not somebody close, 
but that person has to be truly Catholic. And that person, you could sit down with them and go over, uh, you know, what what you want. And you want to make sure that it's always in line with the church, with the church, so that your proxy knows, like, if I got to go on hospice, please get me one that's going to hydrate me, you know, get me one that's going to not drug me up, you know. So, so I'm just warning you about this, and it's really bad. I saw a video... I'll try to find it. Maybe we could put it up where it was like ridiculous. Like 70% of the, the people in hospice don't even, a lot of them don't even die, you know? And they always tell you it'll happen in two weeks. But I've seen a particular person went over a month with no water, over one month dehydrated. Torture, torture. This is a, and this is a sad part of the, the the church is in such a decline. It's such an apostasy in the church that years ago we you had good Catholic hospital, you had Catholic hospice. There's these uh, nuns in uh, up in the Bronx. They're beautiful nuns. They have a hospice, and you know they're real. They're good nuns, and they make sure these people are treated with dignity. They realize you know you treat them like Christ, and they make sure that they're going to have not only hydration but the priest is there for the sacraments and you know you want to make sure these you're ready for for these and everybody's going to deal with it sooner or later with a loved one or it'll be you and believe me you don't want to end up and you know because and then people worry well if, if we do this hospice will cut our benefits off well, cut your benefits off but you're going to have to answer to how you treat your loved ones and Part of the penalty, I think, of uh, uh, punishment from God, too, is he allows these things sometimes. Uh, all these years of abortion, the uh, helpless baby in the womb, now they're coming after everyone, not just the baby in the womb, but everyone and anyone. You mentioned the proxy for medical decisions. I think the legal term is a durable power of attorney. Is there any kind of training that uh, somebody should take who's going to be the uh, durable power of attorney or, or proxy for making medical decisions? I don't know if there's training. I, I like I, I'm talking to people. And I said, you know, it, these poor people that just w uh, went through it for four months, uh, and the family was split. Split. Some of the people weren't Catholic. Some of them were Baptist. This, that. So there was all kinds of arguments. And and when the good Catholics were there, uh, when they were there, uh, the the person would perk up. He they'd feed them. They give them food, and then. They come back at the next couple of days later. The person was like a zombie, and then again, but it went on for four months. It was it was a shame. But what I just like, you know, there's some good stuff out there on 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 what the church says about the, you know, how to handle these situations. So uh, me as a priest, I would send people all articles that articulate these things very well, and and like I said. Most of these people don't end up dying from the disease they have, but from something else. And we don't want that, like dehydration. Maybe I could put, maybe I could give you a link to a couple of good articles on this uh, that will go into details that will help the people on a deeper level. But if you have a good priest, and it better be a good priest, uh, they, they could help you with this. Always check in with the priest. And definitely with my parents when they hit their last days we we definitely were in contact with the priests and and uh my sibling who was the durable power of attorney we we definitely consulted the priests frequently uh early and often um 
same as they vote in Chicago. We were checking in the priests early and often, and and uh, that was a huge blessing. Yeah, and let me about that too is important because like your loved one should be anointed. If, if okay, if he's diagnosed that they're terminally ill and they could they're old age too, you they could be they should be anointed, and they should. Uh, Hopefully you want this where they can make a confession, but sometimes they, if they're that sick where they can't speak, they need still, they could see the last rite, they could see conditional absolution, they could, and you want the apostolic blessing. But say that person is uh, anointed and, and like this, this poor man that was still going for three, four months almost, I told him you got to get a priest in there, at least come in and do some more prayers and that should give him conditional absolution if he can't talk you know because that person we don't know what goes through a person's mind just because they can't sit there and articulate things to you that doesn't mean they don't know what's going on that doesn't mean that uh they haven't committed a sin you know because what do you think uh when we pray to hail mary hopefully 150 times a day 153 times a day if we're praying three rosaries we're saying over and over again, pray for us, Holy One, now and at the hour of our death. Why? Because it's the most important moment of our whole life. That moment when we cross from from this world to eternity, it, the, everything rides on that last minute. It's not how you start, but how you finish. And so you don't think the devil knows that? You know, the devil knows that. And so I'm not trying to scare you, but he will come at the end of your life. And some people say that's he comes more powerfully at the end than throughout your whole life because if he could snag you. And that's why you want the last rites because I've been to deathbeds where people scream everything and you anoint them as a priest. That all goes away. All calmness comes. The peace comes in the room and they die peacefully. So you want... And, and a lot of times, even good people sometimes, uh, you know, especially if it's in a hospital, sometimes... They don't think to call the priest right away. It's the most important thing. Get the priest there. Get the priest there. And then if you do have a loved one uh, that has to be on hospice, I, I only recommend if it's they're going to be hydrated, you, you know, try to get your local priest to come even once a week for a sick call. That person's is alive still, and and it's it's and do prayers with that person and pray for that person and could give them a. Uh, you know, uh, like I said, conditional absolution. Okay. Should we go into listener questions at this point? Yes. Yes. Okay. I want to address, we've got 12 questions. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get to all 12 of them, but I want to hit a few at the end here. Cause I think it's more to acknowledge that I see the question came in. I think we're going to have entire episodes dedicated to this in the future. Um, for example, how does one consecrate their children to the blessed mother? Can you explain the five for Saturdays? Can you can you explain the rosary for beginners? I'm pretty sure, Father, I'm not getting uh, out of line by saying I think we're going to have entire episodes devoted to that in the future. So, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, these things, and like I said, we there's so much we could we have to cover. But yeah, these are the things. Like some people have been critical, saying you're going over just basic things. Well, guess what? If you're a pro baseball player, where do you have to report uh, soon? Uh, spring camp, right? And what do you think they do at spring camp? They go over fundamentals, you know, basic training. You know, you get ground balls hit to you, you run the bases, you you know, and this. So we have to hear these things, and it's good. And a lot of people don't know it. A lot of people don't know these things. There's been such an apostasy in the church 
and such nonsense going on for it's a lot longer than six, but the last 60 years especially has been horrendous. And a lot of these things uh, have been just done away with. A lot of the practices, the sacramentals, and the things that everyone should know. And even if you do know it, we all need a little push once in a while, a little nudge. They come, you know, I know I do. So that's we will go over those, uh, you know, dedicate whole show to each of these things. I'm talking about going back to fundamentals. It, it reminds me of a story that uh, a colleague of mine had who was talking about, um, he, he was, he was an aviator. And he was talking about somebody who was doing a check ride that they have to do every once in a while. This was somebody who, who was not a new pilot whatsoever. And as part of his, um, pre-flight, he literally just waved his hand by his head and the, the check ride instructor says, what are you doing? And he, that literally was, he just out of laziness over time, instead of pointing and, and verifying each of the instruments, literally just waved his hand by his head vaguely in the direction of all the instruments. It's like, no, I'm going to fail you on your check ride unless you do this right. And so even, even if you're a cradle Catholic and this is not new information, it's always good to go back to the basics and remind yourself how to do this correctly, why you're doing it and just start over from scratch from time to time. It's, it's definitely not going to hurt. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell real quick. I've told this story many times, but I remember because it, it touched me. It's St. John of the Cross when a man entered the reform, a priest. He was a brilliant theologian, and he went to St. John of the Cross one day. He says, we don't have enough books here. We're theologians. We need we need really study. And so he said to him, okay. So he gave him what's an equivalent of like a penny catechism. He said, I want you to use this for your meditations for next month. I don't want you reading any other books on theology, just this. And the guy, are you kidding? No, I'm not. That's an obedience. And at the end of the month, the man was so thankful to St. John. He goes, yeah, and you taught me good lessons. These little penny catechisms are filled with infinite truths, uh, mysteries that we don't know everything. We could have a deeper and deeper understanding and knowledge the more we pray and the more we beg God to. So it's good to go over the basics. Okay. A question based on the last episode, father, I'm a little confused by something you said on the last podcast. Are you saying we should avoid Ecclesia Dei parishes? That's a good question. Uh, no, I'm not saying avoid them, but I'm just pointing out to you, uh, every, you know, these things is negative things about them. Like all, almost all Ecclesia Dei communities, uh, when the nonsense with COVID came around, they shut down. They jumped ship. They gave into human respect. Meanwhile, priests uh, basically committed to lay their life down for the flock. And now those people, the people more than ever needed the Eucharist. If you don't eat my flesh, drink my blood, you won't have eternal life. The other thing is like the scandals in the church now and, and, and the heresies coming from the top down from the Vatican is just loaded with heresy. The second man, uh, who would ever think that would come to a time where this, the, the head of the sacred congregation for the doctrine of faith would be a heretic putting out pornography and everything else. Disgusting. So, uh, you know, we're living in these times. But be careful, uh, you know, like I said, so I'm not telling you not to go to them, but they got – so my point with that is a lot of these – Ecclesia Day communities, they have gag orders, which means they can't talk about uh, that. How can uh, Pope Francis put out an heretical document like Amoris Laetitia? How come uh, he can't, that he, he 
they can't talk about the latest heretical document for Ducia supplicants, right? No, we're obliged as a priest. Doesn't matter if you get in trouble. You know what? Even if we die, we'll be an honor to die for defending the truth. And we have to be willing to lay down our lives for the flock. When they give you gag orders, so I can, you know, I could never be part of a group like that because I, my mouth would get me in trouble all the time. And uh, and then you can't, you know, when they're told to take collections for like the Catholic charity, uh, Catholic campaign for human development, once again, uh, we know it's a proven fact that money goes to groups that support abortion, groups that support communism. I could go on and on and on. The woke movement, you know, all this. What? That's so, uh, that's all I could tell you. You want to, you know, many people uh, ended up going to the Society Buys the Ten Chapels in, in COVID. Their, their chapels started busting out of the seams because they wanted the Eucharist. They wanted to be absolved of their sins. And they weren't getting it anywhere else. So I said, so who's, who's, who's the true shepherds? There were a precious few um, fraternity of St. Peter priests who uh, bucked the trend. And of course they were ending up in the Bishop's office every other week as a result. Yeah, but and I commend them. I'm saying, but they're rare. All right. <laughs> they're rare. And uh, so I, I would not tell you to, to not, uh, that don't go there. You know, I'm sure there's good priests, but uh, you know, you, we, you know, we have to sometimes hear the truth, no matter how painful it is. And if a priest is afraid to speak it, that's not good. You know, the truth sets you free. And let's face it, a lot of people think they're theologians out there today. But no, you know, uh, that's what the priest there for, to teach, you know, to, to teach you, to show you the way to heaven. You know, I love that that old movie, John Vianney. It's a black and white one. He's lost. And the little boy comes. He's got, he goes, show me the way to Oz and I'll show you the way to heaven. That's what priests are supposed to do. And, and we have to warn of heresies. We can't be afraid to speak up. It doesn't matter where the heresy is coming from. We have to speak up. Okay, next question. Father, I bought a Recolta. Now, how do I use it? Well, you know, just open up the index there and you'll see lists like prayers to the Holy Trinity, prayers to St. Joseph, prayers. You'll see novenas to saints, and that's that's all you look. And it's nice. It tells you how many days of indulgences you get, uh, which means you get days out of purgatory. It says 300 days. That's 300 days out of purgatory. It's awesome. And uh, But they're beautiful prayers, and that's all you got to do is look in the index, the different novenas, and all the big saints are in there, and it's loaded. It's a, it's a, it's a big book. It's a beautiful book. The, the way I use it a lot is I, I just flip it open. I'm not saying that the Spirit is guiding me. I'm just saying I flip it open and, and to find new prayers that are interesting. Or sometimes if, if I know I'm specifically looking for a litany or novena to St. Anthony of Padua, I don't even know if that's in there, but it's just an example. I go to the index and look. There, it, there is a nice index in there that goes through a lot of different uh, scenarios and possibilities. So, for example, there might be something that's specific to Septuagesima, which is tomorrow as we're recording, or it might be yesterday as you're listening to it. But there's there's a lot of categories and, and listings in the indices for that. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. There's prayers for priests uh, to pray before he goes into the 
to the confessional and then prayers to play, uh, to pray after he comes out of the confessional. And the beauty of that book is those they've it's been approved by Rome for a long time ago. So today when someone's approved by Rome, unfortunately, uh, you, you got to hold it in suspect at least. But uh, back then, you know that these, you don't want just want anyone making up a prayer, you know? So like for instance, uh, when the priest before confession, he he's calling on the Holy Ghost to guide him in the confessional, to give him the wisdom to know when to delay absolution, when not to delay absolution, who to grant absolution to. Because some people, you know, they don't, uh, you know, the priest is not supposed to be granting absolution all the time. Sometimes he has to deny, know when to deny, when to delay. Two different things. But so the prayers are beautiful, and they'll they'll help who they'll help you in your life. Uh, the next question on my list, I think we've talked about it some, and this might be something where if we haven't really fully discussed, it might be its own episode, but I'll go ahead and ask it now and we can either answer it or defer it. How does one properly discern their vocation or career in life? I think we went over this a little, well, it's a great question because as I said before, and this is really important. I always tell people when you have children, from the minute they're baptized, pray for two things for them, that they'll know their vocation, that God will reveal it to them, give them the grace to answer that true vocation that he calls them to, and that they'll never lose their baptismal innocence. You know what that means? They'll never commit a mortal sin. And uh, so, but the vocation, St. Alphonse says, is connected with salvation. And he quotes other fathers and doctors. Uh, it's connected with your salvation. And so it's such an important thing to discern that. And I could tell you, most people never discerned it, most people. And then, you know, you want to do it, you want to do it right. And so the best way is to get a spiritual director, because only a fool guides himself. So you have counsel. And sometimes, like St. Alphonse even warns you, like if you're called a religious life, you don't, don't even say nothing to your parents at first, because a lot of times, especially in his times, parents would not would forbid their son or daughter to enter religious life or the priesthood. His father didn't even want him to become a priest. He was a lawyer, a great lawyer for a while. So, you know, you want to get a guide. And number two, if you have to be a man or woman of prayer because if, if your salvation is connected to your cell, uh, vocation, and it is, then that means God wants you to, he's going to help you if you want to find it. Of course, he's going to help you find it. And so dedicate yourself, consecrate yourself to Our Lady and say, Blessed Mother, please. I, I would say even three Hail Marys a day to her just to find out your vocation and then the grace to uh, fulfill it. And like I said, say you're called to marriage. It's Once you find out what that vocation is, then you got to pray, okay, now who do I marry? You don't want to marry some bum or someone who's not practicing the faith, you know. So discernment is very, very important. But those are the ways. And just say, like, if you're – you should read about in the catechism about marriage. Everyone should read about marriage. And because uh, I've run across people say they had a bad childhood and their parents didn't have a good marriage. And, and so they don't even want to think about getting married but they have the vocation to marry say oh no well just because your mother and father had a bad marriage that doesn't mean now you you got to be careful because sins of a parents 
are handed down three to four generations. But so you want to read about marriage too. It's beautiful. It's a sacrament. And uh, same thing. If you read about the priest, so like young men, I, I have them, you know, they come, I have them read in the catechism on a deeper level, say to, okay, what, what's the sacrament of marriage? If a man could come to me, he wants to go to seminar, I make him read about marriage too. And, I, and then, we, then, you know, we see what, 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 kind of movements are happening in the soul every time i think of marriage i get sad i get like lose my peace well it's not a maybe bad sign that you're not called you know there's rules of discernment which i recommend the rules of saint ignatius of Loyola and uh great rules of of discernment but it's good to have a priest help you because once again only a fool guides himself and you may even be able to help other people, but when it comes to ourselves, we're the worst judges. We're either going to be too strict with ourselves or too lenient. And uh, so that's basically going to be prayer. And I recommend, like, if you get to daily mass, receiving the Eucharist is the greatest gift you could have. And then that rosary, you know, God will will answer your prayer. He will show you your vocation. But you got to read up, too, you know, like, like, I'm shocked when I meet some people, a priest, they, they never even read a I said, what have you read on the priesthood? They look at me like I have four heads. Seminarian, I talk to seminarians, not too often, but I do. They never, I said, what do you mean you haven't read a book on that priest? Like, I have a whole list now that I give seminarians. Uh, they said, oh, yeah, well, you're going to have to read this. If you want me to help you, here's the books you're going to start reading. The first one will be Dignities and Duties of a Priest by St. Alphonse. And you know what's interesting, Max, when I give him that, say, young man that wants to enter the, uh, become a priest, he'll tell me, how come all these priests are telling me the exact opposite of what St. Alphonse is saying? <laughs> it's, I don't mean to laugh, but it's sad. It's sad. And so that's a key too to look with the saints, you know, uh, read the saints that had that vocation. So if you're called to marriage, you read some saints that have been canonized that were married. You know, if you want to be priest too, read read some biographies of saints that were priests, religious, the same thing. And then you you know you you'll start seeing uh, God will make it clear to you. Okay, next question. I'm a homeschooling stay-at-home mom. Right now, we're having a tough time making ends meet. Would it be sinful for me to seek a job outside the home to help with finances? You know what? I would probably have to talk to you uh, more in detail. But normally speaking, you know, Padre Pio used to say, every child comes with a loaf of bread under its arm. <laughs> and, you know, we, God said, be fruitful, multiply. So I find that all the people that I've helped over the last 25 years, I, I don't. And I said, you're the mother, stay home with your children. God will bless you. And the, and the father will be blessed too. So many times people, I know so many big families, especially in a, you know, cause I'm involved in traditional movement, my whole priesthood. But, and these families, uh, you know, eight, 10, 12, 13, 14 kids. I've seen it all. God always takes care of them. You know, the, the husband comes home. I had time and time again. Honey, I have something to tell you. I got something to tell you too. Okay, go first. I'm pregnant. Oh, I got a raise, <laughs> you know? And remember, God's not going to give you maybe what you want, but he'll give you what you need. And so you may not be able to live a life of luxury. And maybe if you did, you lose your soul and God knows it all. But I really believe that that's 
the one thing that the devil used to take down this country, that there is the family life was hit hard because it's a cornerstone of society. And how can you don't get priests, you don't get religious without good families. So he has broken the family down. And one of the main ways is that these women, these feminists now, they entered into the work market, uh, let's say, and uh, they take away jobs for men you know they i could hire two women for the price i'll pay one man and that still goes on believe me whether you like it or not uh but the thing is now there are women that are single that don't marry of course they have to work or if a poor mother loses a husband she, of course she has to go to work those are but ordinary speaking do a novena to our lady do a novena to saint joseph and uh you, you know god will provide he always does Always. I've never seen it fail yet. And uh, I always tell people to, you know, be generous with the children. The last child you don't want will keep you out of the nursing home. And the, I was preaching that out once in California, and a lady came up to me. She said, Father, never stop preaching that. She goes, I'm, my mother had 13 children. And around three years ago, we had a family meeting, and they took a vote Uh should we put Ma in a nursing home or someone's going to take care of her? So the vote was 12 to 1, 12 to 1, put her in the nursing home. And she goes, it was me, number 13. I said, no, I'll take her home. And I've, since then, it's happened more than a couple of times to me where people tell me that. So God provides. You know, do we believe what Jesus says when he says in the Bible, do not worry about what you are to eat? Look at the birds in the air. In other words, my son didn't die for the birds. He didn't die for them. They don't have a soul. They don't go to heaven. But my son died for you, and I love you. I will take care of you. He will. I'm sure you know stories, uh, Max, that you've seen this in action yourself, no? I've definitely seen stories like that. And, and not to laugh at it, but it reminds me of the Mark Twain, Mark Twain quote, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. And we do, we do get wrapped up around, and I, I fall victim to this too, because I'm the strategic thinker and, 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 um, I, I always worry about what we can afford and, and, and what the budget can, can hold. And, and, uh, I, I get, I worry about that a lot of times and, but you know what, sometimes it, it works out. It, yes, I, I have not had to go on food stamps so far and hopefully I never do. And hopefully I can, I can continue paying my, my taxes, even though it's theft, but whatever, I mean, being a good citizen and, and, and paying, being able to support my family. Uh, so far it's all, so far it's worked out despite the fact that I've been uh, worried about a lot of things. You know, we, we're going to be talking about prayer a lot too. And prayer, uh, good prayer has certain qualities and one quality of course is humility. And so humility is to know who you are and who God is. And, and humility is grounded in truth. And so when you come before God and, and, hum, and you come before him humbly, say, Lord, I got, I got five kids. I just lost my job, please. So you come in humility. But then we have to have the, another quality has to be trust and confidence in God. That we know nothing's impossible for God. And if we're living, being faithful to him, he will take care of us and he will. So you want, and then another quality, the third one, these, the three qualities, other qualities, but these are the three main ones is perseverance. Are we going to persevere in, in our petitions? Are we going to, like the lady in the gospel kept coming before the judge? Finally, the judge said, all right, I had enough of you coming here. Basically, I'll grant you your things. But we have to have these qualities in our prayer. And 
when we're in tough situations, God allows things. There's always reasons we don't know, but we got to trust him and just keep on knocking, keep on knocking, keep on coming back. And, and he, he will take care of you. And in, in the gospel, when he, con, he worked all these miracles, what did he say? You are healed. You are healed because of your faith. How many times he say that time and time again. So I would say do a novena and you'll see what happens. All right. And then the last question for tonight, father, do you do parish missions and what would it take to get you to do a mission here? Well, <laughs> I'm not saying here where I am. I'm just obscuring where the person is. Uh, send me an email. We'll leave it that way. <laughs> you know, send me an email and we could talk. And the emails is question or podcast at soti.blog. Uh, that should be going to both father and me. I, I'll double check the settings on that. Hopefully you are getting the questions on those father. And if you're not, I'll double check my settings because that audit, you ought to be getting, getting copies of anything sent to that address. All right. Yeah, I just got the received the list from you uh, the other day for all the twelve of them. Right, the the twelve questions that we had so yeah. far. But I sent that to your direct email address. Um, I'll I'll send a, a test here um, probably tomorrow to the uh, podcast at soti.blog. That should go to you as well. And um, worst case scenario, if you send them uh, a question to this and you make it clear in the headers that this is for father, then I won't read it at all. I'll just forward it on. All right. Thank you. And I already mentioned the email address. Um, so I think we're ready to wrap up. All right. Well, thanks. Thank everyone. I thank everyone for all their support, especially your prayers really needed and, uh, and financial support, whatever. God bless you. And you can bow your head for God's blessing. Pax et benedicto de omnipotente, Patri, Filio, Spiritus, Santi, Descendus, Super Volts, Amen, Amen.